interesting, uh, interesting situation, right? So we have, uh, we say, oh, I'm just pranking you, and there becomes this revenge factor, and there's this slight difference between avenge and revenge. You'd say, yeah, there's an R in revenge, and there is an A in avenge. But in chapter 21, we start with this idea of David avenging um, the Gibeonites. And um, what happens is, okay, so let's start in verse uh, 1 of chapter 21, and then we're going to kind of skip through 21. But there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, there is blood guilt on Saul and on his house because he put the Gibeonites to death. So we didn't really cover much of Saul's life, but Saul, uh, when he was king, um, killed the Gibeonites, obviously. And so there's still this um, kind of lingering punishment that is being uh, bestowed on the people of Israel. So the king called, David called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the people of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them. Saul had sought to strike them down in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. So basically, David is trying to overcome um, this issue, this blood guilt from Saul's life, and to avenge or allow the Gibeonites, in essence, to get revenge. And so what it ends up being is David has to give over a bunch of Saul's people or uh, kinsmen to be killed. Verse 7, though, he spares Mephibosheth. So we have Mephibosheth coming back into the picture. And it asks this question, when somebody does something to us, how do we respond to them? When somebody does something to you, how do you respond? Do you seek to get revenge, um, even if it is a prank, or do you simply let it go? And in this case, people ended up dying. So then there's this war with the Philistines. Okay, we kind of see David's life coming full circle. You remember he uh, comes on the scene when he kills Goliath, who's a Philistine. We see these giants um, that they uh, take on here at the end of chapter 21. And uh, verse 20, and there was a war. There was again war at Gath where there was a man. This is, <laughs> this is awesome. Um, There was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. And then I love this, 24 in number, as if we had a hard time adding six times four, 24. Uh, And he also was a descendant from the giants or from the people uh, that Goliath was descended from. And when he taunted Israel, sounds familiar, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, David's brother struck him down. These four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. And so it's interesting because we see this kind of full circle of David's life and his ministry from when he killed Goliath, and now they end up killing Goliath. And it seems to be the end, except it's not quite the end. It's this interlude, and we get this song of deliverance in really 22 and 23. Now, the interesting thing again here is Psalm, Psalm 18 is basically a copy of um, 2 Samuel 22. So if you want to cross-reference that, uh, you can later. 
So David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, to my God I called. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my, cr- my cry came to his ears. And the, Lord, the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness from his canopy, thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he set out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, the foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statues I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him. I kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful you show mercy, with the blameless you show yourself blameless, with the purified you deal purely, and with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness, for by you I can run against a troop And by my God, I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Have you ever tried to drink a 20-ounce bottle of pop without stopping? Anyone? Bless you. You know, sometimes you're like drinking a 22-ounce or a 20-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew, and you think you're almost to the end, and you're like, this tastes so good, but I need to take a breath. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Well, for those of you who haven't, we're just taking a breath. It's like, this is really good, but we just need to take a little breath. Ready to go back in? For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer, and set my secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war, so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. 
You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under my feet, and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. They looked, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as the dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with my people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and brought me down, brought pe- down peoples under me, who brought me out from my enemies. You exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Woo! I mean, that was like an amen right there. Can I, uh, first of all, what I want to say is, when you notice there's a bit of a difference here in how the text looks, and that is something that we should pay attention to, because David goes, uh, we go from um, this narrative or this recounting of history to Hebrew poetry. Now, when we're talking about Hebrew poetry, it isn't a literal word-for-word translation of these types of things like God isn't a fire-breathing dragon. Okay, God doesn't literally have fire coming out of his nose. But we're using poetry to produce this imagery because, as it says right away, this is a song of David. um, And so we have to think of it in those types of terms. And so there's really um, two significant themes throughout this story of David. One is rescue and one is refuge. So this was about, um, I think it was four years ago. It was maybe three years ago, but it was less than five years ago. Um, It was an awesome July day, and it was super windy. And I said, hey, guys, let's go sailing. And so they were like, "Mm," as they usually do, okay, fine. Um, It was a Friday, so we uh, set sail from uh, where we keep the, the Big Dipper. And we sail all the way up Gull Lake. And we sail over into Hole in the Day Bay, and it's like super calm, and we're having lunch, and, uh, and I can see it's getting windier. But see, when you're in a protected bay, you don't know that it's getting windier until you look out at the waves, and you're like, ooh, this is not going to be good. Uh, because we had to sail right back into the wind. Um, and so I'm like, all right, well, I suppose we should probably head back. I have a Teen Challenge softball game that I'm supposed to be at. And so... Um, we go to pull up uh, uh, the, the jib, the front sail, and we pull that up and we start heading out and we pull up the main. Um, and so we got both sails up. And as we kind of come around Holman Point there, I'm like, get ready because we're about to get rocked. And so Nikki and Maddie and Wyatt are sitting um, up by the front. Well, just Maddie and Wyatt are actually, or Nikki and Maddie are up at the front. 
and we're just taking on waves. We're not sinking. We're like, woohoo! Water's coming over the front. It's like America's Cup. And um, so we're heading down towards Sandy Point. And many times I'm like, should we put down the main sail? Because if you take down the main sail, you're not going as fast and you're not tipping over as much. And so then um, I'm like, all right, we need to tack, which we, me- needs, we, mean to, we need to turn so that we don't run aground and then we're really in trouble. And so um, I'm like, all right, so we go to tack. And as we come around, um, Maddie uh, almost falls in and then Nikki falls in. And then Nikki goes underneath the boat and hits the side of the boat, uh, and she doesn't have a life jacket on. And I scream as she comes out the back of the boat, um, loses her sunglasses. Terrible situation. Um, And so I immediately turn back around, um, and then Maddie falls off the front of the boat. Um, Oh, actually, yeah, that's right. Wyatt falls off the boat. Uh, But Wyatt has a life jacket on, so Wyatt's bobbing in the water, and... um, Someone was screaming, and Nikki's bobbing in the water, but she doesn't have a life jacket on, and I'm on the boat freaking out, and I get everything figured out, and we're circling them, and a boat comes over because they were tubing, and they're like, hey, do you guys need help? And I'm like, yes, and they pick up Wyatt, and they pick up Nikki, and they come back to the boat, and they're like, is there anyone else? And Maddie pops out from underneath and jumps overboard like, I'm out of (laughs) here. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, literally. And so then I'm trying to sail the boat by myself. Uh, both sails are still up. And at the time, the, the motor mount was slightly broken. And so I'm trying to start the motor, and the motor's trying to fall into the water. And I am literally was like, where's the stick of dynamite? I'm going to blow this whole thing up, and we're just going to call it a day. And somebody will come pick me up, or I'll sink to the bottom of the lake, and we'll call it a day then too. Have you ever needed to be rescued? Like physically rescued? Oh, it's terrifying. It was one of the most terrifying days of my life, and I've had a number of terrifying days of my life, as you have heard from the stories. And I felt a little bit like David in the fact that um, I felt like the sea was going to swallow me up, and I was crying out to God like, God, save me. Like, I'm in, I'm in deep, and I wasn't even in that deep. I was in Gull Lake, which isn't even that deep. But we see in this uh, song of David all of these instances, as we've been tracking throughout David's life, instances where he needs to be rescued. And God rescues him from all of these different instances. Verse 7, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I called from his temple. He heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. And throughout all of the chaos of David's life, he knows that he can call on God, and he calls on God, and God rescues him time and time and time and time and time again. And one of the other key themes of this is the fact, verse 3, he says, My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. So last Thursday, I was heading down to Wyndham, Minnesota, which is in southwest Minnesota. And, you know, it snowed on Thursday. And there's this really interesting um, feature on the uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation map that tells you the status of all the roads in Minnesota. 
And so I looked at it, and um, some were different colors. And then at about New Ulm, which is between here and Wyndham, um, it was purple. Now, purple is a color that means no travel advised. To which, um, when I saw that, I thought, yeah, right. Oh, right. So I head south on 15. I go through St. Cloud. Everything seems to be fine. I go through Hutchinson. And there's a roundabout on the south side of Hutchinson where things, I don't know what happened. Things went from eh to oh, boy. Um, so then I come across a car. Light flashers are on. Get out of my vehicle. No one's in the car. Hmm. Okay, so I keep driving. Car's in the ditch. Lights are off. Car's in the ditch. I can't see the road. Then I see up ahead there's flashing lights. And as I go by at about 15 miles an hour, oh, that's a highway patrolman. Why isn't he driving on the road? Um, and then I was like, oh, where is the road exactly? Uh, so what do I naturally do? I open up my door to make sure, yep, still on the road. Um, and there were times at which I said, am I actually moving? And so I look at my speedometer and say, yes, I am, because it says I'm going 15 miles an hour. And then other times it would say zero, and I'm like, I feel like I'm moving. So 15 longest miles of my life, I get to the stop sign, and I'm like, huh, now what? So there's two semis that are pulled over, and so I pull over, and I'm being buffeted by the wind in my truck. And so I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to sleep in my truck tonight. So I look on my phone, 13 below, no big deal. No big deal. I had my ice armor. I was ready. I had my ice armor. I had a sleeping bag. I had cookies. Um, I mean, I was ready. And then I thought, ah, I'm going to head over to uh, town. So I go over to town. Police officer says, um, excuse me, sir. <laughs> do you need some place to stay? <laughs> yes, I do. She's like, well, come with me to City Hall. So I go to City Hall in Winthrop. I didn't go to the jail. <laughs> That's a different story. Never mind. I've never been in jail. I've never been to jail. And so I found refuge with these other people. And I was like, I'd never been so happy to be out of the snow and the storm. Have you ever needed refuge? David is talking about this reality, in some sense, a figurative refuge that God provides for us, and also, at times, a literal refuge. And there are times in our lives when we need refuge, and God provides that refuge for us. Sometimes it's on a cot. I mean, one of the most... I've stayed in many hotels that had less comfortable pillows than the one I got at the emergency shelter in Winthrop, Minnesota. They even gave me, in a small baggie, a chunk of soap that they had clearly broken off another bar of soap. <laughs> I didn't use it. I didn't use the, the toothbrush they gave me either. <laughs> Why didn't I use it? Because I was just, I was in shock, and I just wanted to go to bed. And then this lady had a dog that kept barking, and then she was snoring in the middle of the night, and I was just like, oh, my word. Thank you, Lord, for the shelter that I have. 
But David here recounts over and over and over again the fact that God has provided him refuge. Verse 47, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. And that is the beauty of the life that we live. When we are in Jesus, we have the opportunity to find shelter and protection no matter what sort of crazy chaos God brings or life brings to us. God provides us this opportunity to get out of the storm and to find refuge and rescue in him. And it's this amazing picture, and I wish we could just read it over and over and over and over again. And David says, now these are the last words of David, the oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who raised who was raised on high, the anointed of, God, of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. I mean, he's a little bit braggy, is he not? <laughs> he's like, how great am I? Uh, the Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For he will not cause to prosper all my help and my desire. I'm sorry. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are like the thorns that are thrown away, and they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. David does a lot of writing, and he writes many psalms, as he says. He's the psalmist of Israel. And it's really quite interesting because we have this opportunity to write in the similar way that David does, and to recount things in our lives, in times in our lives when we have come across things where God has saved us or provided us with refuge, or times when we're just like, ah! Am I the only one that has those times? And so one of the things that you're going to do tonight, I'm just giving you a little bit of a heads up, is you're going to have an opportunity to write a bit of a psalm for yourself. You're not going to hand it in to anyone. There's not a grade. You can write whatever you want on this piece of paper. And this is a poem that I wrote back on, ironically, as I looked at this today, two years to the day before I got married. Um, you say, that doesn't matter. You're right, it doesn't. I was in Missouri at the time, and I wrote this. These rabid thoughts race through my head. I cry out and wish they were dead. My past com comes back like a bad dream. Why can't I just focus on God's team? I was younger then. Lord, I try to clear my mind. A constant focus is hard to find. Your face is what I seek while my human thoughts are so meek. Touch me, my guiding light. Tame my raging thoughts tonight. I crave being in your arms. There I know there are no harms. You've placed my mind at ease away from the worldly squeeze. Thank you, Lord, for my clear head. My parasitic thoughts are now truly dead. I'm not looking for your applause. The whole point of this is um, 
The whole point of this is that we have the opportunity to write like David and express our emotions, and it's a positive thing for us to do, and we can keep them for ourselves, and we can go back and we can look at times in our lives when God has done things for us and remember, as David does, the times when, man, we were in a bad place or we were doing stupid things or our enemies were after us and God delivers us. And we're not writing scripture. We're writing something for ourselves to remind ourselves of what an amazing God we have and the opportunity that we have to find rescue and refuge in him. Should we pray? Father God, we come tonight and it is, it is truly great to look at David's life and of all the chaos and the crazy and the things that he does and the people that end up being killed by his hand or his army and the revenge that takes place and the sin and the forgiveness and all of these things that happen throughout David's life. And then he comes and he writes this song to you and he talks about the love that you have for him and the refuge that you provide for him and the times that you rescued him throughout his life. And Lord, we come tonight and we all come from these different places and some of us are, are finding our refuge in, in you and others of us are in the sea in the middle of a storm of our lives in which we are crying out for rescue. And we know that wherever we're at, you are there to be by us, to be near us, to provide us what we need. Whether it's a cot in a warm building out of a storm. Whether it's being pulled from a raging sea of life. We know that we can cry out to you and you provide us with that. We know that you've given us this blessing of writing to you and that you hear and that you care and that you use it to remind us of where we've been and the fact that you are always the same. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the grace of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go to your groups.